Good morning, Middle Church. Thank you so much. Let's give another round of applause to our Village Course for Children and Youth. Life's not worth a darn until you can say I am what I am, right? Amen. Friends, will you please stand and join me for our invitation to worship? Stand as you are able or stand in your heart and receive these words. The Spirit of God is upon us. God has chosen us to bring good news to the poor. The Spirit of God is upon us. God has given love sends me out to men fractured The Spirit of God is upon us. To seek freedom for the Catholics and liberation for the imprisoned. Come, Holy Spirit, move in and through us. Enliven our worship so that the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our God. Amen. 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 As we get ready to sing our first hymn, Over My Head, we're just going to do a little warm-up together. So this side of the room, we're going to call you side one, and this side, we're going to call you side circle, just because we're just going to be different. Side one and side circle. Uh... <laughs> Side one, you're going to head us off for over my head just so that we get the juices pumping. Side circle, you're going to then do the first verse again so that we all get the juices pumping. And then we're all going to jump in together. Does that make sense? Okay, it's not too early. That's good. Okay, side one, here we go. It says...
room was ready. But over here, I got like the SAT prep, because the eyes just did not come off the music. So now you heard it over here. So you don't even need the music now, because you already heard what they did. So now it's going to be your time. Over my head, here we go! Over my dance moves happening out there. We are spreading the blanket for young and young at heart to join up here for the message for all ages. Please use the stairs, my friends. Thank you. We have all different ages joining us, young, some older kids, some big kids. I love it. So I said use the stairs. Please use the stairs next time. Okay. So, I am excited for you guys to hear the scripture today, because you're going to, there's a lot of words, but you're going to need to use your listening ears, because there's a beautiful line that says, God's people will be planted like big oak trees. Picture a big, tall tree you might see at the park, and it says that all of us are growing, growing, growing like a big, strong tree. It calls them oaks of righteousness. And they remind us of God's goodness. And as you are growing, 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 tell me, who are people that help you grow? Who are people in your life? Say it again for me. God. Okay. That's, that's not wrong. That's great. Teachers. Teachers. Uh, your godparents. Godparents. One more. Grandmothers. Grandmothers. Hillary Clinton. Okay. You ready? Bill de Blasio, not Donald Trump. Okay. So we got lots of people, some we look up to, and some, I have another question. So think, get ready, I have another question. We have many people, some we see and hear from, and some people are in our lives that help us grow. So today is Father's Day. And you know what? We have many different parent figures. Jordana, I'm going to come to you first for the next question. So with all these different parent figures in our life, we remember that every family 
looks different. Some families have two dads, some families have two moms, some families might have one dad or one mom, or a grandma, grandparent, auntie, uncle, godparent. We might have people in our neighborhood that look out for us. So now that you have all those different people you already brainstormed with me, how do they help you grow? How do these parents and father figures help us grow? Uh, your, your mom. Your mom. I like that. Mom helps you grow. How do they help us grow, Leslie? By teaching us. Yes. By bringing us to middle. Okay. Okay. By letting us make mistakes. Teach a story. Teaching us a story. That's great. By loving us. Yes. That's a good note to end on. By loving us. You want to give me one more? Yeah, but your daddy also helps you. Your dad. Daddies help us too. Yeah. So they love us. All these parent, parent and father figures, they love us. So let's say a prayer of gratitude. You can stand with me. This was a lot of fun energy today, huh? Okay, let's link up and hold some hands. Dear God, thank you for all these people who help us to grow like a big, strong tree. Amen. All right, keep on growing, friends. Let's sing some Siahamba. Thank you, Dion. Thank you, Boom Boom. Thank you, Village Chorus for Children and Youth is in the house. Welcome to Juneteenth, Juneteenth Sunday and Pride Month at Middle Church. Juneteenth. Juneteenth is the anniversary of the abolition of slavery in the United States on June 19th. Um, and uh, this Sunday, um, welcome to this Sunday. And Derek is uh, going to be preaching for us this morning. We're glad you're here. He's our, one of our ministers in residence. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis is preaching at West End Collegiate Church this morning. The senior ministers are uh, giving their gifts to all the churches one at a time. So um, she's up there this weekend, and we'll get to hear from Reverend Will later in the summer. So we're excited about that. Um, I see Catherine. If you want to just come up. Catherine is a member of Middle, and she has a lovely announcement for us about this evening. Hi, everybody. Um, a show that I executive produced and directed with the wonderful, amazing Jackie Lewis is, in, is on tonight on MSNBC. Um, it's called Rebellion Stonewall, and it's about um, our LGBTQ plus history. Somehow we got 70 years in there in 44 minutes. But Jackie's a super, and then I, I, well, I needless to say, she was a very important, is a very important voice in it. And she has the last word of the film, and it's the word of our church. So watch it and you'll see. It's at 10 p.m. tonight on MSNBC, and it's called Rebellion Stonewall. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, for using your gifts in this way to reshape and rename Christianity and all of our laity who are profoundly doing the vision of Middle Church in the world. Um, June 19th is, in addition to being Juneteenth, is also our big benefit called Queer Faith, where there'll be a photojournalism um, exhibit 
premiere opening, as well as uh, Titus Burgess will be in the house, Alex and Madge will all be singing in the sanctuary, and it'll be a lovely event from 6 to 9 to raise money for our LGBTQ ministries, as well as the Audrey Lord Project. So we hope you can come out on Wednesday night. Um, tickets are, you can just go right to our website, and um, if you're live streaming right now, you can scroll down to Queer Faith and get tickets right there. And after the live stream, they'll always be on the website. Um, on June 26th, which is a week from this Wednesday, Jackie's gonna give a Zoom online class uh, about queer theology. That's one of the number one questions we get from visitors, is about theology and all of the background and the roots to why we are so affirming in the Bible. So we hope you'll register for that. If you go to the event calendar, it's listed on June 26th, and you can register for that Zoom, or you can see me after worship to do so. Um, July, so the first weekend of July, we, we are going to be going to one summer worship um, in July and August at 10.30. So um, just mark your calendars July 7th. But until then, we are all things, uh, we're two worships, of course, from 9, at 9.30 and 11.45. And mark your calendars for June 30th, which is our big pride bash, um, which is not to be missed. It, uh, it's, it's just electric. Um, if you are a, a visitor at Middle Church today, could you just raise your hand and let me know where you might be visiting from? Wow, look at all these amazing visitors. Beautiful. Where are you visiting from? Where are you visiting from? Queens. Fantastic. Queens. North Carolina. I grew up here. I'm visiting my mom. Hey, mom. Oh, yes. Virginia. Wonderful. Thanks for visiting your mom. Anyone else? Okay, you can join Middle Church at any time for anywhere in the world. Just go to middlechurch.org and hit join, and you can also donate there as well. Thank you for uh, visiting with us today, and we hope you stay engaged in all ways. Um, next Sunday, right after the benediction, Jackie's going to lead a congregational meeting after both worships. So we hope you stay for that and hear about the vision and the budget and all things that are foundational to the, how this place runs. I think I'm coming to the end of the gorgeous and beautiful announcements. And, um, oh my goodness, I for almost forgot. We have a beautiful accessory called Pride Ribbons, which are hanging right up here. And Joe, who usually sits right there, first worship, beautifully designed them for us to uh, celebrate and shimmer this Pride season. Uh, VCCY is going to lead us in prayer uh, through song. So take a moment to center yourselves in your pew, whatever that looks like, if your feet are firmly planted on the floor, if you're taking a breath.
Join hands as you are able. Ever loving and holy God. Hallowed be your name. Your reign comes. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign. The power and the glory and a smile on your face. Would you take time to greet one another with the grace and the peace of our Lord? Village Chorus, um, this is their last Sunday in worship. They'll be back again in October. They'll be on break. 
but I just wanted to acknowledge all of their work this season and all of the ministry that they brought to us. Tina Owens. Yes. The band. The band. <laughs> Nobody's really shy up here. So we're going to invite you into the fray. Uh, the anthem is called We Are Called, and I put the chorus so that we could sing it together and we could create that energy. Uh, can we just play through the chorus once for them? energy when you hear those words coming out of the mouths of children as opposed to what we see coming out in different areas so don't let it get lost on you that these are leaders and they're speaking truth over us as they sing and they're not just cute uh, but they have abilities and they're ready
I feel so pampered. <laughs> Good morning, Middle. This passage um, liturgically is familiar to us around the time of the beginning of Advent, but I chose it for this morning because I think it speaks to us about the, the power of the vision that Isaiah shares and the power of the vision that hopefully after a few homiletical moments this morning, we all can understand how important it is for us to share. So here, these words from the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 1 through 4. In verses 7 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called... Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display God's glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Because their shame was double and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for God hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. God has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks themselves with a garland and as a bride adorns themselves with their jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. The word of God for the people of God. God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? God, how we thank you. For this moment, you have shaped and crafted for us to be together in community, to be woven and knit together in the fabric of love, and to be open to the power of your presence. So allow us now, even as we would utter these words and hear them, yet still to be still and know that you are God in this moment and always. In your many names we pray. Amen. Amen. Nearly 50 years ago, when I was very, 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 very young. <laughs> there was a song that was first released in England <clears throat> and wasn't much of a hit there. And then it was released here in the States. And here's the interesting wrinkle. It met with some pushback, a little bit of, if you will, opposition because it was in 1968. And if either you live then or are a student of history, you know that that was indeed a strife-laden year in the United States of America. Racial divisions, the war in Vietnam, raging political assassinations, all kinds of turmoil. And here comes Louis Armstrong. 
singing. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And people said, wait a minute, Satchmo. How can you be talking about a wonderful world when everything around us points to the contrary? How can you have this vision, if you will, that's so bucolic and in the, in the depths of his philosophical musings, Louis Armstrong in essence said, well, the only way that this wonderful world can come into being is if we make sure that we see it into being. So, so maybe that's where we need to begin with an understanding this morning of this audacious vision that, that Isaiah puts in front of us. You know, the Spirit of the Lord has caused us to now have to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. How can we lay claim to a vision like this when everything around us seems to be the opposite? Julie and I lived in Texas for... <laughs> now, Julie, there... There may be people watching. Hello, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso. <laughs> yes, it was, it, was the, it was an initial challenge for us, but here's the point. <laughs> One of the things we came to learn a little bit about was Juneteenth. Juneteenth actually began specifically, and every Texan will let you know this, certainly every Texan of color will let you know that Juneteenth began in Texas, actually near Galveston. And, and, and here's the thing about it. It has become a major celebration. We were, we were sort of in a sense, now it's become again more popular nationally now, but we were taken aback that come June 19th in Dallas, all the folk we knew were ready to take the day off and go drink red soda water and have a picnic. But here's the thing. The power of that celebration was because even though, even though it was late, in being declared to those who were enslaved in Texas and in parts of the South, even though it was late, they determined that they were going to celebrate liberation no matter what. And maybe the lesson in that is this, that even if there are those who try to suppress, who try to divert, who try to deflect that liberation that God has shaped and fashioned for you. When it comes, you celebrate it, you acknowledge it, you extol it, and you lift it up no matter how many people try to make it delayed in its arrival. And we need to understand that even this morning as we realize here we stand at the intersection, if you will, of Juneteenth, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, and the powerful message there to me is that liberation unfolding here is a powerful signal to liberation unfolding any and everywhere. And here's the cautionary note. I understand this. I, I, I'm sensitive to the particularities of this. That some people become very sensitive because they don't want their liberation struggle in any way to be diluted. They may think that it's being co-opted when others indeed raise it up as an example. In other words, when, when somebody might say, well, the civil rights movement is a harbinger of the LGBTQ movement for inclusion and equality, believe it or not, some people might want to say, well, no, don't, don't, don't leave my, my struggle alone. But here's the thing we need to understand. The power of a liberation struggle for one individual or one person or one segment of society should be understood as a powerful bell that rings for everyone whose chains and shackles need to be broken. And I believe in my heart of hearts, we were having this discussion um, earlier on, and if there were tapes that mattered of conversations that Dr. King had, not the ones people purport to have been talking about as of late, I do in my heart of hearts believe 
that Bayard Rustin probably was able to talk to Dr. Well, first of all, we know that Bayard Rustin, who, who there was no secret about him being gay, and yet he was fully ensconced and enveloped and, and was one of the, the chief strategists in the movement. And I've got to believe that if we could take that context and bring it into present day, that it would have rested upon the heart of Martin and some of those others who were in the leadership of the movement, that indeed this struggle that we celebrate around us for this month is directly linked to the struggle that was going on in the middle of the 20th century in America and indeed the struggle that was celebrated even as Juneteenth unfolded in Texas in the 19th century. So the power of liberation is too big to just be in one spot and in one column. This Jesus moment in time and in history that we as Christians lay claim to is a moment of liberation for all humanity, all creation. And we can't lay claim to the liberation that we have in Christ until we understand that it is a liberation for everyone. The chains are broken for everyone who is in chains. That walls are torn down for everyone who is confined. That cages are flung open for everyone who is made captive. Now I'm glad that there are people who were marching, who were struggling decades ago who maybe couldn't have even registered in their minds. Maybe for them, uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago, it might have been divide by zero to understand that there would be a pride month, that there would be pride celebrations. But at the same time, I've got to trust that they would understand that their struggle has become this struggle, and this struggle will inform struggles yet to come. Thank God for, the Bible tells us, and, and this is not exclusivist. I think this speaks to the totality of what Christ has done in the world. That if Christ makes you free, you're free indeed. So if liberation is made available, it's made available for everyone. So lay claim and embrace the power of liberation, not just for yourself, but for all of those who indeed call and beckon for freedom. But the prophet goes on. Now, it's great. We can have our liberation moment. We can have our Juneteenth celebration. We can have our, our, our red soda water and whatever else, whatever else it was in, in what was it? Red velvet cake, red velvet cake and, and all those other good sophisticated things down there. I'm not beating up on Texas. I like Texas, so it's all good. Ooh, I got some explaining to do later on. But, but my point is this. The moment and the joy of that liberation moment, the exaltation of that has to be coupled with, what does it say? To do justice. There are verbs attached to the reality of justice in the world. It means we are called to the work of doing justice. It means we're called to the work of making sure that our voices advocate, that our actions promote that we indeed influence and move forth in a way that causes for the world to be just and equitable, to do justice. It's hard. I know it is. I know some of the work that we're called to do sometimes taxes our very energy. I know sometimes we think to ourselves, do I have to get on another bus and go to another demonstration? Do I have to make my way into another place and, and declare, yes, because the work is still called for to be done. I know some of Middle was just down in D.C. This, this past week uh, with our beloved friend William Barber and declaring for the fact that, that poor people call for justice. We need to understand that the work of justice, whether it's for those who are poor, those who are formerly incarcerated, those who are incarcerated, those who are economically disenfranchised, wherever it might be, that's the work that accompanies the vision. So understand this morning that while we celebrate being able to Extolling our liberation, we've got to do the work. And middle, you know, you do it so well. You understand how that work has to unfold in so many ways and in so many places and how our voices need to be persistent and consistent in so many platforms. But nevertheless, it is work. And sometimes as we do that work of justice, our spirits flag and 
we get weighed down and a little bit maybe overcome and overwhelmed by what seems to be the onslaught of what's happening to suppress that justice. I was just reading this morning in the New York Times, Maureen Dowd, uh, her, her editorial column, and she talks about the fact that, you know, it's, it's a normal thing to critique a leader or an administration for lapses in moral judgment or consistency. It's not so normal for there to be no moral consistency, no moral judgment, and how we just cringe day after day. You know, Julie and I have an exercise, and this is the absolute truth. She can attest to this. I have become adept with the remote control in my hand that every time a certain voice is ready to be heard, I mute. And I don't do that. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it does trigger. I'm not, and I'm not saying that lightly. But I realize, you know, at some point, you know, I just don't want that incoming to, 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 to outweigh what I need to have in me to be sustained and to overcome. So, that brings me to this point. Instead of letting all that negativity taint and, 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 and tinge and, and dilute and pollute my being, I realized then, and, and this is what, again, what, what Isaiah is saying in this declaration, that we've got to make space for joy. We have to understand, yes, this work is hard and this work is difficult, but we also have to understand that the way we're sustained in this work is to be able to, able to have a joy that, yes, often confounds those who would oppress us. What are you doing over there singing and being so happy? How is it that you can have a moment of exaltation when I'm trying my best to cut you down? And don't you know there's, a, there's an old saying that I remember from way back in my youth days, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. You can't define for me the measure of joy that I have by the way you try to curtail it because joy in me is authored by a God who is the author of joy, whose faithfulness is unwavering, and whose presence is certain and sure in my life. And it's important for us to realize, especially when the work is difficult, especially when the work sometimes overwhelms us, that we have a right to be joyful in this measure. And in this moment, we have a right indeed to give God the praise that God is due. We have a right to exalt God's presence in our lives and in the world because, yes, as Charles Albert Tindley said, wickedness a while may reign. and Satan's power, yes, may seem to gain, but there is a God who rules above with a hand of power and a heart of love, I'm here to tell you that your joy can outlast any turpitude, any kind of chicanery, any kind of ugliness that seems to surround us right now. So become experts in declaring the joy that God has given us. Become expert in being a community. Indeed, think about it. Jesus says this. He says, this is my suggestion. No, wait a minute. This is my advice, no, this is my commandment that you love one another that your joy may be full. You see the formula there, middle? That we are indeed able, if we are what we call ourselves to be, that community of love where love is love is love is love, if we ex extol that and exercise that and exchange that amongst ourselves, the outgrowth of that ought to be what is promised to us, and that is a joy that declares our presence and our persistence in the world. Don't you understand that some of those who came before us endured and made it through, not because they were naive, not because they were unrealistic about the circumstances around them, but because they knew how to take a moment in the midst of what otherwise seemed to be overwhelming circumstances and give unto God the joy and the praise that God is worthy of receiving. You ought to become expert at declaring your joy because that's what will sustain you. That's what will carry us through. So indeed, extol that liberation moment. Do the work of justice. And yes, yes, yes. 
be wrapped up in the gift of joy. And then the vision shall become true. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Amen. Thank you, Derek. My name is Amanda. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm honored to be one of the ministers here at Middle. Um, as I invite you to this moment where I'm supposed to ask you to join the movement and to get more deeply involved, I'll be clear that there's nothing I'm going to say that is going to be better than what Derek just preached. So I'd like to just take a minute and um, celebrate Derek. Derek's been with us as a minister in resident. And Derek is going to stay with us, but has um, gotten a, an exciting new job as the director of interfaith outreach, faith outreach for the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Pray for me. Please pray. We're so happy for you, Derek, and even happier that you're still going to be around. So there is um, something about this place that fills my spirit. Raise your hand if your spirit has been filled today, and amen, in the kind of way that Derek has talked about. Um, you know, I've been trying to find another church that is having a party on the intersection of Juneteenth and Stonewall 50, and I can't find one. I can't find one. And Middle does things like that all the time. We don't just have parties for parties' sake, even though that is fun and great. But the things that we do are rooted in deep, deep the theology. Theology just like the kind that Derek preached about this morning. Our understanding of our liberation, being bound with one another. And we do that in meaningful ways in the world that invite people to understand what it means to be a movement of love and justice. And we did it today in Bible study, in Bible in the Middle, and Roger led us in queer Christianity, where we looked at those passages in Genesis, which are often used to condemn queer lifestyles. They said, you know, it doesn't say Adam and Steve, it says Adam and Eve. Well, in fact, if you look at the Hebrew, as Roger reminded us, Adam is genderless. So in fact, it says, Adam and they. So there you go. And we are always, always digging deep 
and rooting what we do here in theology, and that fills my spirit. And if it fills your spirit too, I'm inviting you to respond to that. Respond to that spirit. How do you want to respond to the spirit? You can respond by giving financially, because that is a real way that you can respond. If you look in your bulletin, there is a thermometer that I think Ellen makes for us. Is that right, Ellen? This beautiful thermometer, which is inching up so close to our goal. We are under $100,000 to our goal, and we have two weeks to get there. I wouldn't say that to you if I thought that this was going to be something that we couldn't do. I'm saying it to you because I know that we will get there. In March, when I spoke to you before, we were way, 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 way down. And I said then, in this moment, we are going to get there because we have each other and because the Spirit moves in powerful ways. And so give today if you can. You can pull out your phone, in church even, go to middlechurch.org, scroll down to where it says give. And in fact, it says donate in honor of your glitter family. I guarantee there's not another church that says that either. If you were here for the first Sunday of Pride, our preacher Graham invited us this month to give in honor of someone who has helped us get where we are. And so as you give this month, think of someone who has helped make you become the person that you are. And put their name um, in, your, in an email to us. You can email any of us and say who you want that to be. Write it on an envelope. Write it on your offering envelope. Come tell us after the worship celebration. And on um, June 30th, the last Sunday, Pride Sunday, we will be scrolling those names. And won't that be beautiful? We're going to see a communal glitter family of the people and the cloud of witnesses who have gotten us to become who we are. And so if financially is not a way that you can respond to the Spirit today, think about what you can do. Can you teach Bible? Can you play with the children? Can you teach the children? Can you volunteer for Butterfly? That's where we make meals and we take them to the park for people who are in need of food. There are so many ways to respond to the Spirit, and we want to talk to you about the best one for you. Thank you. Let's pray. God of liberation, God of joy, 
God of wonderful worlds. For these responses to your spirit, we give you thanks. And we bless them knowing that you will use them to continue your good work of love and justice and peace in this world and that they will be used to empower and equip all of us to be the people that you need us to be to do that work. Amen. Get those hands ready. Get those voices ready. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Guide my feet, Lord. Well, I don't want to run this race alone. place in Isaiah, Isaiah says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. What a vision. What a wonderful world. And in that spot where he says the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, that, that word for glory is in the Hebrew Shekinah, and it means the all-encompassing presence of God's power and beauty. What a wonderful world. So go out of this place today, no matter what others would have you think this moment looks like by your joy, by your zeal for justice, and by the fact that you know liberation is real. Make it a wonderful world. Now, God, go before us as our guide. Stand alongside us as our companion and sustain us always as our foundation. In the name of the one who is indeed our creator, redeemer, and sustainer, and let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.